Okay, today's daf is Psachim daf Lamed Aleph. We are on Lamed Amid Beis, the Mishnah Nachri Shehovah Yisrael Al So this Mishnah is really continuing the previous Mishnah, even though it doesn't seem like it at first. But our parak is discussing when is something considered Chametz Sha'avar Lava Pesach. When do we say that this is considered? Chametz uh, that, that someone violated by Rabbi Yamatze, or there's a problem, one cannot consume it. We had a machlekes if it applies to the Chametz of the Nachri or the Chametz of the Yisrael. At this point, we're going to assume that we paskin that it's only a problem if it was owned by a Jew. So then we get into the next conversation, is it, which is how do we define ownership? When do we say this is owned by, by the Yid? When do we say it's not owned by the Jew? And this is really a sugya that you'll find often in Nashim and Ezekin, those uh, Sedarim. The truth is many yeshivas, although they don't learn, you know, halacha la type of gemaras, they'll learn psachim and they'll start with daf lamin. When I was in the mirror, so in, I was in Rav Asher Ariel's year, we, we did psachim daf lamin on the base, this mission, nachri shilvas Yisrael. That was one of the uh, sugyas we learned in, in that share. And this is really the topic of ownership. So something to think about is that there's perhaps two parts of ownership. There's the, well, we'll call it beisai, it's in your house. And then there's another part of it called bershusai, that you have authority, you have control over it. So it could be you need both in order for it to be considered your chametz. It could be one or the other is enough to be considered your chametz. So all the various details are going to come into play. So again, the agenda is to figure out, can I eat this chametz after Pesach? If it was owned by a Jew on Pesach, I cannot, right? It's chametz she'avalav Pesach. If it was owned by a non-Jew, no problem. You could go buy Cheerios from, uh, from the non-Jewish store. There's no problem with that. And part of that, which is the, the sugi that we're going to deal with today, is how do we define ownership? So it comes along the Mishnah, that flamen and beis, five lines from the bottom, nachri shehuves yisrael al-chametzai. So a non-Jew lent money to a yisrael, al What does that mean? That he asks him for a mashkain. Give me collateral. It's a good idea. You're lending money to someone. So how do I know you're going to pay back? So I'll take collateral. And the collateral they used was chametz. So the Gemara talks about bread. Today, the only uh, collateral that you would be with chametz would be a, you know, a, a scotch, a bourbon, something, a collector's item, which could be worth thousands of dollars. So that would be a good collateral. So let's assume the Yisrael gives him his bottle of scotch as collateral for the $10,000 loan. And the question is, if the Jew never pays back the money, so the Nachri, the non-Jew, keeps the bottle of scotch. So who owned the scotch over Pesach? So Achra Pesach, if, let's assume he didn't pay back, and now it's already after Pesach. So what's the halacha, what's the status of the scotch? Now, obviously, the non-Jew keeps it because that was the mashkoin, it was his collateral. The halach is mutter bahana. You're allowed to have enough. Let's say the non-Jew is selling it at a collector's, at, a, at an auction. You're allowed to buy it, even though you know the history that it was the Jews who gave it to the non-Jew as a mashkoin and it stayed there over Pesach. And then finally, after Pesach, the, the, the time was up. He didn't pay back, so the non-Jew keeps it. For some reason, th- that is considered as if it was the non-Jew's scotch already on Pesach, even though it was still owned by the Jew, it was just a mashkin. So the Gemara is going to explain in detail 
how we come to this conclusion. What about the other way? A Jew lends money to a Nachri before Pesach, and the Nachri gives the Jew his bottle of scotch as a mashkoin. So after Pesach, if the time came and the Nachri did not pay back, so then it turns out that it was the Jew's scotch all along. He's allowed to keep the mashkoin. That's his scotch. And therefore, he had it over Pesach. You own chametz on Pesach. Asr bahana, because there's a knas, you were over by Rabbi Amatze, Lamafreya. And therefore, one cannot benefit from this bottle of scotch. Okay, so let's see. The Gemara is going to talk in Lamdisha terms. Itmar, Baal Choyv, someone who is a Baal Choyv, which means a, uh, someone who, who, uh, who lends money to his friend, okay? And your friend, we'll call him Shimon, Shimon gives you a, he says that in, for collateral, I'm going to give you my, my uh, property, okay, my car, my this, my that, something, right? Regular sugya of Chayshem Ishbat. So you have collateral for the Baal So Abaya Amar, Abaya says when you end up collecting it, so he defaults on the loan, he's not going to give you cash, so you keep his collateral, the question is, at what point did it become mine? Did it become mine at the, uh, the end of the terms, right? The end of the term, and, and, and at this point, he didn't pay back. Now it's mine. Or from the time, let's add in some words, from the time he gave it to me or from the time he promised it to me, it's already considered mine. You collected all the way back from the beginning. And we're going to see in the Gemara details of what that means. What's the beginning? When you gave it to him, the beginning of the loan, we'll see. For Rav Amar, no. Rav says, no, only when he defaults on the loan, that's when you take the collateral, that's when you actually take ownership of it. So it's Mikan Habas. From this point and on, Hugaiva. Now, what's the practical difference? Well, there's going to be many differences in halacha depending on if you own it or not. We're going to start thinking about Hamid's uh, applications, but we didn't get there yet. We'll circle back to our Masechta in a few minutes. So the Gemara continues. Let's say, and we're going to assume Abai and Rav agree to the following scenario. The Loive, which is the borrower, so he gave a, he, he promised a mashkin, right, to the lender. So he tells his credit, creditor that if I don't pay you back, you could have my car. But in the meantime, he sells it. So, well, first case was Akdashit, he was Makdashit to the base of Medash, or he sold it. Kuliyamaloi Pligi, no one argues, everyone agrees. Da'asi Malva Vitarif. The lender could say, hey, you, you promised me collateral with these things, so therefore, it's, you can't just sell it to anyone you want, you can't even be Makdashit. Halacha is, the Malva could come and just take it back from whoever purchased it from it. Now, by Hektish, there's an interesting detail that you can't just go grab it back from Hektish because the optics look terrible. Someone walking into the base of Mikdash or everyone knows this is designated as Hektish, you take it back. So the Mishnah in Eirechen tells us you have to just give a dinner. You give a dinner of, of money, so it looks like you're redeeming it. So let's just see, Asi Malva Uparik, you could redeem the Nechassan from Hektish, Olam and Aleph, Amad Aleph, that's now within a Mishnah in Really, it's yours because really the, the borrower could not have given this thing to Hektish. He did. Okay, so you really should be able to take it back. It looks bad doing that. So Midrabanan just give a dinner to Beis Hamikdash, and that's how you solve your problem. But either way, everyone agrees that the borrower doesn't have the rights to, to, uh, to sell the, the mash going to. 
to, uh, to get, make it hectic. So what's the machlekes rav on Abaya? Again, in Lamdashah terms, the machlekes was, is a mashka in koina lemafreya, meaning if the, if the borrower defaults on the loan, does the, does the collateral, is that considered that he gave it to the lender from the beginning? It was always the lenders? Or do you say no? Since he could have paid back with cash at any point, only when he says, I don't have any cash, and he says, I'm sorry, take my property. So only at that point does the, bar, does the lender take possession of it. So keep pligi dezavin mava v'kadosh mava. When the lender went and he sold the collateral. So Ruben owes Shimon money. And Ruben and Shimon says, you know what? You, you gave me your, your uh, car as a mashkin. You might have some time to pay me back. I don't care. I'm going to go sell your car. Right? So, and what happened was, the, the owner never paid back. So, I'm a lemafreya who gave the... It goes lemafreya. We go retroactively. So, Kevin, the mother, since the time came, the terms of the loan were up. He didn't have the cash. So, turns out that all the way back from the beginning, the collateral was owned by the lender. It was always his rishos. no. And I'm sorry, skip the line. It turns out that it was good hectish. It was a good sale because it was always the lenders. Because we, we call it lemafreya. Rav Amar says, no. It's only talking about from now in the future. We don't go backwards in time. Why? Because let's say the borrower would have cash. At any point, he could have paid back. He could have... He could have uh, paid, paid back his uh, creditor. So must be Turns out that the last moment in time, that's when there was the Kenyan. When he defaults on the loan, that's when the, 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 the lender takes possession of the collateral. But up until that point, since, as Rafa says, he could have paid back with cash, it is not considered as if he gave it over to the lender. Okay, so far so good. Machloikes, Rav, and Abaya, if we go to Mafreya or Mikarnal Haba. And the Gemara takes it to the next level. Umi, Amar Rav Hachi, does Rav say that it only works Mishas, you know, from that point on, it doesn't go backwards? I have Bar Chama, so now we have a complicated case, and we'll circle back to Rav. So Rami Bar Chama said the following scenario. Ruven Shemachar Sada Shimon Bachrai. So every line here is very interesting detail. Ruvain sold a field to Shimon. So Ruvain owns the real estate. He sells it to Shimon. We're going to call him the tenant or the, uh, the, the, the homeowner. So he sells his, his house to Shimon. Now it's Be'achrayas. Be'achrayas means that I, I take full responsibility on this house, which means in, in Bava Basra terms, or, you know, Nashim Ezekin, let's say Ruvain owes money to someone else. So in halacha, this is like you know bankruptcy court over here. If you owe money to someone else and you sold your house, so that creditor could come and take the house, right? In bankruptcy laws, I think it's up to, it's ninety days or something of of. Uh, it's like title insurance. Yeah, exactly. Very good. That's exactly what Achrayas says, right? So you have right, you have a title insurance. So Ruvain sells the house and he also tells you about Achrayas. That means if any of my you know, friends that I don't want to see again, who I borrowed money from, come back and say, hey, that's our house. I owe you the money. I, I, I will reimburse you. I'm giving you title insurance. Okay. Now, that's one thing. The second detail is, Shimon, who bought the house, didn't have any cash. There was no, you know, mortgage banks back then. So Ruvain gives him a mortgage. 
Zakafan alav b'milve. So, so uh, Shimon didn't even pay for it. So Shimon's living in the home. He has monthly payments to, to Ruvain. He took out a mortgage from Ruvain. And, and, uh, but he's living in the house now. So it's his house. He was kind of the house. He owes him the cash. And there's another detail was the first detail that, that Ruvain gave Shimon title insurance. Okay, now, this, now the plot thickens. Umeis Ruvain. Ruvain, the owner of the building, the owner of the house, I mean, the, the original Meicher, the, the seller, he died. And Shimon never paid him back. He never, you know, paid up his mortgage. And an old creditor, we'll call him uh, Capital One, comes back to Shimon and says, Oh, Shimon, you took, you bought the house from Ruvain, but Ruvain owed us money, and we, we're going to go take the house from you. And they're right, right? They're 100% right. Now, Shimon has this title insurance from Ruvain that he could go collect from Ruvain's estate. So this is what happened. Shimon had a great idea. He figured, hey, I owe Ruvain cash from the mortgage. Ruvain owes Capital One money from a different loan from years ago, okay? Student loan, right? He was banking on uh, someone winning the, winning the election. Now, I'll pay, I'll pay Capital One straight. I'll pay the, the original uh, uh, creditors of Ruvain. Why? Because I owe Ruvain, and Ruvain owes these people Capital One. No problem. Seems like a good idea. However, he didn't know the halachas of Nechassim. Neither did I, right? Baba Basra. So let's see. Dinahu de asubne Ruvain of Amalashimon. The, the sons of Reuven could come to Shimon, so Reuven's estate, they could come to Shimon and say, very nice that you had your cheshben, but it didn't work. Why? What happened? What happened was, our father left metatlin by you. What does that mean? What did Shimon owe Reuven? Cash. Cash is not called karka, it's called metatlin. So Reuven owed, Reuven had, Reuven's estate had cash coming from Shimon. Now the halacha is, if the Yarshim are owed metaltalin, then Capital One, which is an old creditor of their father, cannot collect from metaltalin that's owed to the father's estate. Just a detail in Baba Basra. We'll spend a lot of time on this when we learn this inside, you know, in later Masechtas. We're just trying to pull out what we need. But let's just take it at face value that because it was cash that was owed to Ruvain, Capital One cannot have collected the cash. So why are you giving Capital One cash? You, you decided to give them cash, that was your problem. That was the story. Comes along Rav, and this is what we need. And the Gemara is going to ask. This seems to contradict what Rav said previously. on this story, Shimon, if Shimon had any brains, if he would have asked me, I would have told him, pay back the, give back the house to Ruvain, meaning Shimon. You, you, owe, you have a mortgage, right? So see, you know what? Tell them you can't pay back, your, you can't make your payments. So give the house back to Ruvain's estate. You give them back the house. However, you have a title insurance from Ruvain's estate, right? That any time someone would come collect from, on your house, you have insurance on it. So give back your, your, your uh, property to 
Ruvain, and they say, hey, wait, Ruvain's estate, I have title insurance, give me back my property. If Yisoyimim collect Kaka with the Chayv of their father, Baal Chayv, which would include Shimon as well, is also considered a Baal Chayv, because he has his insurance, he can waive his Achrayis, uh, very good idea. So do that, and you're good to go. Fine. Why is that so smart? Instead of having to pay twice. If he would have done the first case, if he would have given just cash to Capital One, then he owes. He still owes his uh, his mortgage to to, to Ruvain. Now he doesn't have to pay. Uh, doesn't owe. He doesn't owe his. Um, Why doesn't he just buy out his mortgage? What? Just buy out his mortgage. He just did that. He just bought out his mortgage. He gave them back the property instead of cash, right? And then he takes it back because he has a chryas on it. He just he just wiped away his old debt. Okay, we'll get to the details later. But the point is, right, let's see the point from, from Rava. If you want to tell me that when it comes to a Ba'chayv, the Ba'chayv and a Ba'chayv collects on the, on the uh, karka or collateral instead of cash. He takes karka. So w- when do we say this took place, the transaction took place? Did it take place, Lemafreya, all the way from back in time? So then it makes sense. It makes sense that Shimon could say, hey, I have this Achrayas note that anytime someone collects from my property, I could come collect the money back from you, Ruvain. So demand the government So we view it as if this land that is being collected by the state of Ruvain, they're collecting it when their father was still alive. Why? Because that's called the Mafreya. So that would be good. But Eliyam, if you learn the other way, when you collect collateral instead of cash, we view that as a collection from now going forward and not a, a retroactive collection. Why is the Baal Chayv, why is Shimon allowed to go take back the Karka? It's as if the Yisraelim themselves, the estate, they purchased on their own. They got something after their father died. They got this new piece of land after their father died. Anything new is not Meshubid to old Bali Chayv, right? If you have an estate in Chay Shemishpun, in, in, in a Shulchan Aruch, let's say your father owed people money. So whatever is part of the estate, that is, that, that, that is used to pay back uh, all, all those loans. But, if, but the children's own property, their own possessions or new things that they bought, that's not Meshubit to old loans. So So obviously it must be, we paskin, who said this Rava? So how could Rava tell me that when I buy a standard mashkin, it's only Mikanul Haba, yet here he said it's Lemafreya. It must be Lemafreya because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. So the Gemara says, Shani Hasam, this case is different. That the Yisoyimim, they went, even though when they're collecting, they're collecting with the chayv of their father. Shimon could say, "Da'amalu could tell him like this." The same way, the land of the loyve is mishubat to your father. It's also mishubat to the uh, the the lender of your of your father, which is me. I am the borrower and I'm the lender. I lent your father because I have a chryas on this. And I'm the borrower because I owe him the mortgage. 
How does this work? This is the famous Shita of Rav Nassan. The Tanya, we learned this lesson in the Brayse. This is called Shibuta of Rav Nassan. Rav Nassan, Aymer, Minayin l'noyshe b'chaveroi mana. Let's say you owe A owes B, v'chaveroi b'chaveroi, and B owes C. So C can collect from A. Shemait C and mizeh, v'noyshe b'chaveroi. How do you know that C could go collect from A? He could, you know, uh, knock out the middleman. Tam aloymar, la'asher asham loy. You give the money to La Asher Asham. It doesn't say La Asher Hulai, the one who lent it to you. Even La anyone who owes you money or anyone that owes someone that owes you money, that also works, doesn't have to be. You don't have to get from A to B. It could be C collecting from A. So it comes out that Rav Nachman holds that the Balchayv of the father could say, hey, you owe me money. Because there was already a shibut of karka when your father was alive. So at that point, it was A owing B and B owing C. So C could go collect from A. Okay. Just an interesting halacha that comes out from this. There's a, there's a question in, in contemporary times. So in, in most, uh, you know, most businesses, if, if someone owes you money, so at some point you're going to send it to a collection agency. So let's say we're dealing with a bunch of Jews. Okay. So you have, we'll use my line of work as an example. So you have a kashrus agency which... Uh, gives hashkacha to Jewish companies or to restaurants, and we're, let's say we're dealing with chayshem mishpat, okay? So halacha is, let's say a restaurant goes bankrupt, or they, they're, they're going out of business, they don't have enough money to give to, to pay back all their debt. So the question is, can someone hire a collections agency, a good one, and they'll go collect before everyone else gets their money? So in halachic terms, this is called collecting You're collecting when other people are owed money as well. So how are you allowed to take, you know, get first dibs? Now, in, in American law, I think there's, there's uh, levels of, of who gets first. Um, I think in the course of business, anyone in the course of business gets paid first, I think. Um, I think logo or trademarks, which is cash agencies, are also pretty up on the list. You'll ask your, your, your lawyers. So just from halachic standpoint, it's a good question. It's a makam shechav lacherim. So some of the can say, they bring an eitzel like this. The, the business should take out a loan from the collection agency. Stop alone. Let's collect. Let's take, let's say, uh, these collections, so we'll borrow $10,000 from him. The CRC will borrow $10,000 from him. Now we are considered meshubit to him. And the company, the pizza store that's not paying us, they're meshubit to CRC. So... It's shibuta de Rav Nassan. Halacha is, we don't care about makam shechav lachem at that point. There's an interesting halachic chap that if you take out a loan from your collection agency, they can now go back to your uh, restaurants who aren't paying or your whatever. That's your different different uh, line of work. Because then it's shibuta de Rav Nassan, you would be allowed to do that. Okay. Let's keep going. Tanan, we learned in a mission. So we're continuing Rava Shita. Rava said, we go Mikanal Haba, we keep going forward, we don't go backwards. So obviously this has something to do with our Mishnah. So Tanan looked in a mission like this. So let's go back to our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, you have a non-Jew that lent money to a Jew, and he, and he did it al that the Jew gives him a bottle of scotch as collateral. Okay? And he tells the non-Jew, if I don't pay you back by such and such date, the bottle is yours. So Akhara Pesach, let's assume Pesach comes, Pesach goes, he never paid back. So at this point, let's say we're standing, you know, a week after Pesach, the scotch is still in the hands of the non-Jew. At this point, the Jew defaults on the loan. The non-Jew keeps the collect, collector's edition, 
bottle of scotch chametz. Okay. So halacha is, the Mishnah said, mutter behana, you're allowed to have enough from it. If you see it at an auction, you could purchase it, you could drink it, no problem. So what's going on here? Let's take what we just learned and put it back into psachim, into chametz. If we say that, that at the point when we, when he, when, at the de- when he defaults on the loan, so we're going to go backwards. That at the time you gave me the scotch, you gave the nachri the scotch, it was always his, so it makes sense. It was his the entire time. And it spent Pesach in possession of a nachri. We just learned two daf ago that if it was in the possession of a nachri over Pesach, there's no knas, it's not chametz she'ala over Pesach. Amatulach, it makes sense. Muterbana, very good. Eli amrit It's only... Transfers, it, there's a transfer of ownership only when the terms of the lease are, of, of the, are up, when the loan is done. So my mother If throughout Pesach, he was still able to pay back cash, so the Yisrael owned, owned, the, owned the scotch the entire Pesach. So why are we saying it's mother banah? But the Yisrael have a It was in the Rishos of the Yisrael. So the Gemara says, Hachamayaskino, no. I almost just talking about Kisher Hirinu at when you actually put the mashkin in the house of the Nachri. And at that point, we assume there was a Kinyan there, and the Balchoy was kind of the mashkin, and therefore it's considered the Chametz of a Nachri. So it seems like at this point, Rava agrees that if you actually went and you gave the mashkin, you put it in his house, so then the Nachri owns it at this point. Okay, let's keep going. Let's see the machlekes of Bayan Rava is the machlekes we had, a machlekes tanam, with the following brisa. Yisrael shehovel l'nachri al chametzay. A Jew lends money to a nachri al chametzay on the chametz of the nachri. Okay? And so la'achar ha-pesach ene oiver. After Pesach, you're not oiver. So it sounds like it was the nachri's chametz the entire time because even though there's a Mashkin of chametz given to the Jew, the Jew could say it's not mine. It's the nachri's chametz. Mishim Rameir, Oimer, Rameir said, "No, over you are over." So it seems like the same exact machlekes. My lav b'hakam efugi. Demar said, "Rameir holds my frehu goyve." Since it was always the Jew, since he ends up taking it as the nachri defaults on the loan, he takes the, the the bottle of scotch. So it turns out that on Pesach, when it was in his when it, when it was his collateral, it was always his, and therefore it's Asr Omar Savanomikanalaba you're only collecting it from this point and on. So it seems like the Machlekes Ravanabaya is an old Machlekes between the Tanakama and Rabbi Meir. Sigmar says, really? You're, does that make sense that you're stooping in this machlekes with the original machlekes? Ema Seifa, keep reading the brisa. If you read the end, if you read the end of the brisa, you're not going to say this because look what the brisa says. But if a non-Jew lent money to Yisrael al for the Jews chametz, the Jew gives him the scotch. Everyone agrees you're over. But that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean everyone agrees you're over? It's in the Nachri's house. It's his, it's, his, it's his chametz, even though it's the Jews' chametz. It should be a machoikas. Everyone agrees that even when the mashkin was given to the Nachri, that's considered the Jew owned it on Pesach. You should have said the opposite. Whoever said in the first case that you're not over because we say because here, it was the Jews' chametz the entire time. So what's going on? So it cannot be that this is the machlekes. So the Gemara says you're right. So lamed aleph from a base ella hachav myaskinon kagoyin sheherinu etzloi, where the where the Yisrael gave the bottle to the nachri before Pesach. 
with the din of Rabbi Yitzchak. What did Rabbi Yitzchak say? I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. How do you know that a Ba'chayv actually acquires the Mashkin? Which means, if you lent money to someone and he gives you a Mashkin, Halachas, it's, it's really yours. So how do we see this? So Shnema the Pasuk says like this. So this is a Pasuk in the end of, uh, end of Chumash, and end of Devarim, it says, Hashiv tashiv which the case of Chumash, in the Torah is where a poor man borrowed money from the, from the rich fellow, and the rich man says, okay, where's your collateral? So he gives him his pajamas or his uh, pillow. At night, the poor, the Ani, has nothing to sleep with. So the Pasuk tells you, Hashiv tashiv, that the rich, the, the lender, should give back the clothing to the poor man, and it's called tzedakah. So what do you see from here? If it wasn't considered yours, how could the Torah refer to it as tzedakah? Toysus and Kedushin says that halachically, it's not called tzedakah unless you, you own the money, right? It doesn't make sense to steal money and give tzedakah. It doesn't work like that. The Kavayasha writes, if you get into Kabbalah, that if you steal money, and you give tzedakah through that, that's not called tzedakah. We know that from the Gemara. But he says terrible things happen to those uh, maestas because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, money that was stolen. So that's not called tzedakah. So if the Torah is saying that by returning the mash going to the ani, it's called tzedakah, it must be that it's yours. Right? So, in a kind of mashkoin, tzedakah minayin, how do you know that, how would it be considered tzedakah? So, comes along the Gemara, mikan abachoiv, shekoina mashkoin. It comes out that abachoiv is koina and mashkoin. So, just by the way, I had a thought today that we're just reading this, that where do we learn out bailus, ownership? Ownership is learned out from tzedakah, which is a less, it's a very deep thing, that whatever we have in life, is only ours in as much as we're able to share with others. The, the talents, the wealth, whatever we have in life, if we're able to give to others, then it's yours. How do we know that? From the Pasuk. That proves to me that it's mine. If I'm able to give to others, that means it's mine. So something to think about, sharing our wealth, our knowledge, our whatever it is, a smile, something, something to give to others, that really shows that it's ours. Okay, so what's the machlek? It's going back to our Gemara. Tanakhama Savar. This halacha, that a mash, that a bal is kind of a mash, which means the creditor takes possession of the pillow, it becomes his. And when he returns it to the poor man, he's giving tzedakah to him. So Yisrael, a Jew from another Jew, that's what the Pasuk's talking about. But Yisrael that took a mashkin from a nachri, where we don't have this din of tzedakah, or at least it's not found in the Pasuk, like Kani, that there you would not be kind of the mashkin. That is the Tanakhama shita. Rameir Savar? No, Kavachama for sure. If you stroll me, you stroll, we don't want it, we don't easily give it, you know, give it away from a Jew. Kani, it's still considered that you own the pillow. You stroll me, Nachri, like Hoshkin for sure. We will consider it the Yisrael's mashkin and not the Nachri's mashkin. And in that case, if the Chamet is in the Rashus of the Yisrael, the Yisrael, uh, even though there's the Nachri's Chamet, but now that the Yisrael is the Bachayv, then you would not be able to have enough from this after Pesach because the Jew actually owned it. But what about the other case where everyone agrees there is no problem? Everyone agrees it is a problem. Why? Because to tell me that a non-Jew who's the creditor of the Jew is kind of the mashkoin, why would I say that? There's no pasuk by a non-Jew, and therefore. 
we would never assume that when a Jew gives a mashka into an achri that it becomes an achri. So it's always retained, the, the ownership is retained by the Jew, and therefore if, it's the, if the Jew left a bottle of scotch by the nachri, it would be a problem of chametz, sha'avar alav ha-pesach. Okay, one more sugya, or maybe two more sugyas. Tanan, we looked in a mission like this. Our Mishnah. After Pesach is Mutter Bana. So we assume that this is, that since I, the Yisrael gave it, gave the Chametz to the Nachri, after Pesach is Mutter Bana. Now we had a Machlikas Rava and Abaya. So the Mishnah is like this. Hold on a second. You told me, fine, our case is where the Yisrael actually gave the scotch to the Nachri. And therefore, Rava would agree that it's considered the Nachri's the entire time. But hold on a second. Ha'amid, you just said before. We just said two seconds ago. L'chati tzedakah is only said by a Jew. Ha'amid Nachri mi Yisrael like A Nachri does not acquire the mashkin from Yisrael. See, the Yisrael is giving the Nachri his bottle of scotch before Pesach as a collateral. The Yisrael always retains ownership. So the Gemara says, you're right. But we have one more detail, like Kasha. Ha, our Mishnah is he said, take it from now. Take my bottle of scotch now, from now, if I don't pay you back. So if he ends up not paying back, he already gave it to him before Pesach. If you say me'achshav, everyone agrees. Of course that works. And ha, our is back and forth. He didn't say, take it from now. And the Gemara says, we know, tamer the shani lay. Where do you see that we... Uh, that we differentiate between where it was, where he said, Me'achshav, take it from now, or, Me'achshav, the time we went to Nebraisa, Nachri Shehirin Pasporni. You have a Nachri that gave a Pasporni. So this was a famous uh, bread. Let's assume it was some type of uh, lafa that was expensive, it was very big. He gave it as a mashkan. Eitzel Yisrael, he gave it to the Jew. So this is Chametz 101, bread, right? And the Jew has it in his house over Pesach. Ain't over. He's not over Balyera on Pesach because the Yisrael would never acquire the mashkin from Anachri. That's the Brisa. However, Vimamaloi, he got Ticha. Take it, it's yours now. Over, everyone agrees you are. Maishna, Reisha, Maishna, Seva. What's the difference between the beginning of the Mishnah and the end? There's a difference between where you said he got Ticha or take it from now, to a case where you did not say, take it from now. So it's a raya from this price that we do differentiate between how you said it. If it was said, take it from now, everyone agrees that at this point, the ownership is transferred. So just another halacha, we see once again, uh, the Gemara seemingly not even thinking about the Isser of Pas Akam, because if you're eating this chametz after Pesach, Pas Porni, let's assume the non-Jew made this bread, so how is the mother? So again, all those, all those Paiskim that say, that pas palter is mutter, they'll say, oh, it was bread made up from a palter, which means it was, meaning the whole isser of pas akam, we'll see the Mishnah of the Zara Daflam, hey, is that there's a problem of chasnas, that there was a gzera, that if you would eat the bread of an achri, you would end up, you know, intermarrying into his family, so Mishum isser chasnas, they made a gzera of pas pito shel nachri. However, maybe the gzera is only by pas balabayas, where you, you have your neighbor makes bread for you and you eat it, right? That would be a concern, but if you're buying it from, from the store, which we would call pas palter, so there would be no issue. That's the Rishami. There's a discussion, there's a debate in the Bavli if we follow that. Many places can bring rayas, especially from our Gemara, Gemara that pas porni was this commercial bread that everyone was makele with. There is another shita, that of the Ramah, and that is why many of the Hachsherim 
you know, give Ashkacha, even when it's not Pas Yisrael, the Ramah wrote a sefer called the Taras Chatas. So in the Taras Chatas, when he introduces the halacha of Pas Akam, he says, Pas Akam was never accepted by, by Klai Yisrael. It was a gzera. She'ein roivat sibar yacholam. Everybody tell us we can't eat bread. We never accepted the Isra of Pas Akam. You want to be machmir? Do whatever you want. He literally uses those words. Do whatever you want, but there's no gzera of Pas Akam. And therefore, according to the Ramah, you go to the store, you find two identical breads. One is Pas Yisrael, one is not Pas Yisrael. It tastes exactly the same, same price point. According to the mother, there is no reason in the world to buy the Pas Yisrael. However, many argue, the Shach argues, he says, Banefesh Yachmir, and depending on how, uh, you know, depending on where you're from, some people will try to, try to find Pas Yisrael, some people don't care so much, but that is the sheet to the Ramah. And Lachari of Arayif Mara Gemara, there wasn't even a consideration. Pas Porni, no one cares. We had a Gemara previously where they used to buy the Chametz after, uh, after Pesach. They went to the Goy to buy the pizza. You know, there was no concern for Pas. Just by the way, whenever we talk about Pas, it's important to point out that whenever you discuss Pas Akam or Pas Yisrael, that's assuming that they only use standard ingredients for bread. So it could be, you know, 500 years ago, Standard ingredients is flour, water, I don't know, some yeast, whatever they put in it, salt. But today, a person would definitely need hashkacha on bread. So forget about the pasta soil component. You should not buy bread without hashkacha. This is just saying, is there a problem of pas? Not, if it's not Pas Yisrael. So let's you find bread with a CRC or OU on it. It doesn't mean it's pasta soil, which means all the ingredients are kosher. And they're telling you that it's a kosher bread, but it doesn't mean it's pas Yisrael unless it actually says pas Yisrael. Okay, one more Gemara, Tanur Abanan. We learned in a Brisa, Chanusha Yisrael. Let's say you have a Jewish-owned store, and they did not sell their chametz, okay? So we have a Jewish-owned store, Umeloi, and the, the inventory, the content, the, the merchandise, Shal Yisrael, it's a Jewish-owned bakery, kosher, but they don't sell their chametz. And the workers there, they're non-Jews. They go in to do their work. So what happens is you found chametz after Pesach. What should we assume? Should we assume one of the workers brought in bread from a different store and left it here? Or no, come on. This is, the store sells bread. It must be that it's its own bread. And since the owners of the store were Jewish, they did not sell their chametz the way we would do Mechiras chametz. Halachas asurbana. It's usher by Nav, ain't Sarah Chloemer, Ba'achilam. For sure, you cannot eat it. Why? There's a very strong assumption here that this bread is, was owned by the Jews over Pesach and it's Chametz, Sha'avar Alav HaPesach. What about the other case? Chanush Shal Nachri, Umeloi Shal Nachri. Let's you have the store owned by non Jews and all the merchandise is stocked by them and there's no consignment here. It's, oh, everything is owned by the non-Jews. You have Jewish workers there throughout Pesach. Now there's two ways to think about this. One would be the Jews are actually working with the bread. They're selling the bread, which is an interesting question. Is a Jew allowed to sell bread on Pesach? But hold on. Or it could be uh, they're just doing construction there. They're doing plumbing work. They're not actually dealing with the bread. But either way, because we assume the bread would be from the store itself. The store was owned by non-Jews. There is no knas of chametz shavu Pesach. What's not mentioned here is what if you have a suffix? 50-50. I don't know. I have, I don't know, two stores in town. One sells their chametz, one doesn't, something like that. So you, you know, you can't find your after Pesach purchasing list from your local uh, shul or hashkacha. Can I, can I purchase chametz after Pesach when I don't know, I have no clue if there's, this was owned by a Jew, if it wasn't. So it's machlekes in the achroinim, lehalacha, many paiskum ha'mekel, 
and uh, especially with other considerations. Another consideration that we didn't really mention is that many companies are, are actually corp corporations. So the discussion way back, there was a there was a back and forth between the Sharlameshev and the Kitzur Shachanar regarding corporations and charging ribbis. But let's just take it for this halacha. Is there a knas of chametz shavlava pesach when a corporation owned chametz on pesach? Let's say it's Jewish board of directors or officially a Jewish owned company, but it's incorporated. It's a, it's a dummy company. No one really you know, is, is responsible for anything. So many Paisim said that at least for Dinim de Rabbanon, we could be Mako, that it wasn't owned by a Jew. So many Paisim, you know, they, they just smile at all these lists for after Pesach purchasing. Now, again, if you have the ability to know which ones are free of chametz, so we might as well go. Go to your Walmart or go to whatever. But if, if you're not sure, there's a lot of different uh, scenarios, different things to think about. One could argue, since they're all incorporated anyways, the whole discussion of purchasing chametz after Pesach, at most, we passed like Rav Shimon, is a dinder and a knas, so b'makim suffake and b'makim corporations, you add those two together, therefore one can be mekel. Just one thing uh, I said we'll talk about is that there's a question, halacha, can a person work in a non-kosher store? So it seems like, at least at face value, that there were Jews working in a pizza store, a non-kosher store, over Pesach. So there is a discussion. The classic question being asked in the last few years, a lot of college kids, they would like to work in Starbucks. It's like the dream job to be a barista in Starbucks. So in Starbucks sells kosher and non-kosher, right? The sandwiches are definitely trafe. You have questions of cooking to heat up in a microwave. That's one question. But there's a general question of working in a non-kosher store. So very difficult to find a iser as long as you're not cooking b'chalav. Some place can write, Mechur HaDabra doesn't look nice. People are going to think everything's kosher there. But uh, interesting discussion. One could theoretically bring a proof from our Gemara, assuming you have the right pshat, that there were Jews actually running the store that was owned by non-Jews and selling chametz on Pesach. It seems like they were allowed to work there on, on Pesach. But either way, if someone wants to work, you know, you'll ask, ask a Shaila. But it's an interesting discussion. All right. Yashikoyach.